sermon. Job, or as my kids would say when they were little, Job. <laughs> and for those of you who lead a little bit of guidance, uh, Job comes right after the book of Psalms. So that might help some of you. I know most of you got it, but just in case we leave a couple behind, we want to make sure you get there. Uh, when you find the address, can you say amen for me, please? And we'll start reading in verse number 1 through verse 12. Then Job answered and said, Even today my complaint is bitter. My hand is listless because of my groanings. Oh, that I knew where I might find him that I might come to his seat, I would present my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in his great power? No, but he would take note of me. There the upright could reason with him and I will be delivered forever from my judge. Look, I go forward, but he is not there. And backwards, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right, I cannot see him. But he knows the way I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Pray with me. Help us, God, as we study. Teach us, Holy Spirit, because, God, we desperately need you. God, we cling to you. God, we declare that we are nothing without you. We, we declare, God, in a very open way, God, that we are desperate. And, God, you've come to help us this morning. I know you have. You've given me a word for your people, God. I pray that I will be able by your grace and power, as the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that he came not with words of wisdom as men, but he came with power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, will you come and bring conviction? Will you come and bring comfort? Will you come and bring strength to the weary to those who have lost their way, to those, God, who are wondering in their most difficult hour, where are you? God, would you come and show yourself today? Reveal yourself today. And God will give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in our Lord's presence. I'm excited about this series. We're starting a new series entitled, Seeking God. As I said before the service got started, we are entering a season in the life of our church where we spend time and we pursue God with all of our hearts. 
I've come to recognize and realize that when we make a commitment to God, God takes it serious. He takes it so much serious because he, he takes you serious. And God is a God who rewards those who diligently seek him. Can you say amen to that? He's a rewarder. But I got a question. I want to start this sermon this morning with a question for you. Has there, is there anybody in here that have ever felt like God has given you the silent treatment? You ever felt like, having read your Bible, you haven't prayed, you sought the Lord, you're doing all the things that you know to do, and that, that somehow it, it just seemed like God is not talking to you. If you keep living, trust me, you will have those moments. Some 23 years of walking with God, there has been profound moments where I have really, really been tested in my faith. We talked last week about the fact that God does test us. And there are some things that we must realize and recognize. That it's more than our saying that God is with us. It comes a point in time that that must be very real in your life and the way you perceive God. Because the reality of it is, is there will be those times when you are left with no answers. There'll be those times in your life when you will be staggered by situations and problems that happens in your life. I'm reminded of Jesus when he himself said, even knowing what was beholding him about to go to the cross, he said, he said, Father, why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Great men of faith, Moses, had times in his life where he had to cry out to God. He didn't know what was happening. The apostle Paul felt alone. David felt alone. Elijah who was a man who felt so alone that he wanted to, to kill it, to take his, take his own life. He wanted to commit suicide. He said, God, God, kill me. Take me out. He went and hid in a cave because the pressures of life, yes, and may I add, the pressure of not really knowing what it's all about got to him. The reality of it is, is that the Bible declares that the just shall live by faith. We understand that and we know it, but it doesn't always motivate us, does it? Pastor, I know that, Pastor. I, I know that the just shall live by faith, but Pastor, I'm really struggling here. I've been really seeking God, and, and there has been no change. You know, I've been sick now, Pastor, for about four or five years. There's been no change. I've been praying, Pastor, for a lot of years that my, my mother, my father, my sister, my brother, my loved one would come to Christ, and there's nothing that's happened. You've been praying for breakthrough in various areas of your life. You've been believing, God, that things will turn for you, and it seems like the heavens are brass, and your prayers are not reaching the throne room of God. Now, I said... Perception. And I understand your perception is your reality, but it doesn't mean that your perception is based in reality. 
We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. As you read your Bible, and I know many of you are Bible scholars, you love to read the Word of God. God has a history of letting us wait without evidence or explanation. Now I know that some of you don't want to hear that, but when you really begin to read your Bible just a fraction of the time, what you will discover in the Word of God is God has a history of making you wait. He has a history of making you come to a place where you just have to sit and wait on him. That's why the Bible says, wait on the Lord. He's telling you to wait because he's not going to move at your pace. No matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you pray, no matter what they tell you, God is God. God doesn't need to give us an explanation for anything. Yet, he chooses, he chooses in his grace and his mercy to give us enough so that we will keep faith. So some of you have found yourself in the desert. Here's the issue. If we don't handle our desert places correctly, it will undermine your destiny. Did you hear that? If you don't handle your desert places correctly, it will undermine your destiny. Let me tell you what I mean by that. See, the desert place is the place of nothingness. It's that place of confusion. It's that place of silence and uncertainty. The desert place is that place of doubt. It's the place of frustration. It's the place of pain and yet disappointment. And Satan always attacks you when you're in your desert places because he perceives that to be your place of weakness. Jesus, as you know, in Matthew chapter 4, and I believe Luke chapter 4, but Jesus, you know, he was tempted. The Bible says after he was anointed of the Holy Ghost, that Jesus was led into the wilderness and was tempted by the devil for how many days? Forty days. And Satan, and how many know that Jesus was, was, was at a point where he was fasting, he was in a desert place, and Satan came to attack the king. Now, you know if he come to attack Jesus, you know what he's going to try to do to you. Your desert place is that place where you don't know what's going on, you can't figure it out, and if you're not careful, you will start to take matters into your own hands. If you're not careful, you may even think about dipping out on God because God ain't talking to you. Because God hasn't completely revealed to you all there is that you need to know. You find yourself in a desert place, and if you don't handle that correctly, you will stumble badly. Many people have turned back on God, went back into some difficult places. The Bible says in Proverbs, like a dog returns to his vomit. Some folks have went back to their vomit and drank it because they got into a desert place and they didn't know what was happening. They didn't know how to handle it. And they thought 
and they perceive that somehow God has left them. I'm here to tell you this morning, God will never leave you. He is faithful. What you are experiencing is par for the course. It's life for the Christian. You have been programmed to think like the world. God is deprogramming you, which means that sometimes he is silent. But he knows what he's doing. He hasn't forgotten you. How do you know he knows your address? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He knows your address. He hasn't forgotten you because he's faithful. Great men and women of God had to experience what you are experiencing today, some of us. So we turn our attention this morning to Brother Job. Love Brother Job. When I get to heaven, I would love to meet him. I can't wait to meet Brother Job. Bible says that Job was a rich man. He was wealthy. You read Job chapter 1. He was blessed. Job would get up in the morning before his kids and his family got up like a real man of God. He would pray. Pray for his family. Covered his kids. Sought God on their behalf. Even if they didn't sin, he said just in case he offered sacrifices for them to cover them. Job had a lot of servants. He had a lot of cattle. He was blessed beyond measure. And he had 10 kids, seven children, seven boys, and three beautiful daughters. Yet, God has a conversation. There's a meeting about you, and you're not present. How many like those kind of meetings? They're talking about you, but you're not present. <laughs> Satan says, and I'm paraphrasing, says that, no, actually God, God brags on Job. God says Job was an upright man. <laughs> Job feared God. And God says to Satan, he says, have you considered my servant Job? Satan said, yeah, I've considered Job. In fact, I've been trying to get at him, but you've got a fence around him. You've been protecting him. I can't break in, which says something about when you walk with God, God covers you. Satan had already tried to knock on that door, but he couldn't get in. And Job said, here's the deal. The only reason why, the only reason why Job is following you is for the stuff that you give him. Somebody said, ouch. Some people want the crumbs on the master's table, but they don't want the master. Not everybody's seeking Jesus who come to church. Amen? I just thought I'd throw it out there for free. So the enemy said, well, watch. Here's what you do. Uh, uh, take his stuff from him. Take all of his property. He was rich. He had servants. Take all the stuff from him and watch. He ain't going to follow you. Job goes off and takes, wipes them all out. Take all of his stuff. And on top of that, he also killed all 10 of his kids. The Satan does. Wipe them completely out. One day, one shot. Y'all know the devil 
is for real. Just think of what the devil would do if God didn't step in and help you from time. You think you got to now think if, the, if God gave the enemy unfettered access to you, how bad it will be. Wiped all of his kids out. Job, Job says, well, bless the Lord. Naked I came into the world. Naked I go out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And his wife said, you fool. You sitting up here talking about your God. How can your God really love you and leave you hanging like that? If God really loved you, he wouldn't let that happen to he, he You need to curse God and die. Mm. Job looked at her and said, you sound like one of them foolish women in the streets. Job said, I got my roots deep. Satan says, well, you know what? If you take his health, if you take his health, he'll stop following you then. Boy, and Satan goes and strike his health, and Job got boils all over his skin, so bad that he had to use a knife to scrape himself off. He's diseased. And yet, Job still trusted in his God. But he had his moments. You know, humanity seems to get the better of us at times, doesn't it? And so we, we fast forward to Job chapter 23. Job, throughout this process, his friends were accusing him of that he must have sinned. How many people say that about you, you know, whenever something bad happened in your life, oh, they must be in sin. No, sometimes it ain't got nothing to do with sin. It just have to do with things that happen. The devil just mad and he just attacked people. We need to just stop running around saying everybody in sin. You don't, if you ain't see it, shut your mouth. Come on, somebody. And so, Job finds himself in this place where he's being accused by the people that's supposed to support him. They're supposed to love him, right? His friends. And he calls them all miserable comforters. He says, y'all are miserable. Y'all are not helping me. But then Job goes on to this thing, and, and Job really begins the process of not really, he didn't curse God, and he, 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 he was dealing with this situation. He accepted what had happened to him, but he didn't agree with it. He accepted it, but he didn't agree with it. So Job goes on to this thing, and he, he starts saying stuff like, well, you know, I was righteous. You know, I, I, I took care of the poor. You know, and Job did. Job said, when the, when the kids came to me, I gave them candy. When people needed food, I blessed them. When people needed counsel, I was there for them. He said, look, I walk with God. And he was because God affirmed him and said, there's nobody like Brother Job. Well, Job has a problem here in Job chapter 23. What's the problem? Job says, he tells you, he gives you some insight into what he was experiencing. Look at verse number eight and nine, if you will. He says, look, I go forward, but he is not there. Backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. What was Job saying? Job accepted this situation. 
But Job was not really ex mad about the things that had come upon him more than he was troubled about the fact that God didn't tell him anything. That God was silent. It drove him bunkers. It drove him crazy because Job wanted to know. He said, look, I keep looking. I keep trying to figure out why am I in this? What happened? God, will you please tell me? And God was just like, Not saying anything. You're going to have to trust me on this one. So Job comes to a place where he starts taking little shots at God. Have you ever taken a shot at God? I said, have you ever taken a shot at God? You know those little shots at God. You wouldn't come out boldly and say it, but you think it. God, I know this is happening, but I don't really agree with this. I've been faithful. God, I've done stuff, and God, you haven't kept up. You're in the but Oh, 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 we thank it, and you know the master knows it. You're taking a swing at God in the spirit and think God didn't catch it. But he's big enough to take your punch. I want you to know that. Job gets a little bit of the diarrhea of the mouth and just start talking a little bit too much, for lack of better words. Look at Job 38 real quick. Go there with me real quick. Job 38. Look at this. Y'all still with me? Say amen. amen. I'm going to read a few verses here, and I'll read a few verses in, in Job chapter 40. Then the Lord answered Job. This is after Job had been doing all this talk, and they've been trying to figure out what God was doing, and they started just getting off course. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. In other words, God told Job, stand up, man up, let's talk. <laughs> Daddy is in the house. Let's have a conversation. Stand up. Your King James Version may say, gird up yourself like a man. Man up, let's talk. Now let's see what God has to say to him. He said, now prepare yourself like a man and I will answer, question you and you answer me. <laughs> Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Oh boy. I mean, he stepped real deep into it, didn't he? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you must know. <laughs> or who stretched out the line upon it? To what were its foundation fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb, when I made the clouds its garments and thick darkness its swaddling band, when I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors, when I said, this far you may come but no further, and here your proud waves must stop. Now jump on over to verse chapter number 40. I'm going to stop there. Go to chapter number 40. Look at this verse. Then the Lord answered Job again, because God kept talking. Now prepare, look at verse number 7 in Job chapter 40, verse 7. Now prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you answer me. Will you indeed annul my judgment? Will you condemn me that you may be justified? Have you an arm like God? Or can you thunder with a voice like his? 
Then adorn yourself with majesty and splendor and array yourself with glory and beauty. Disperse the rage of your wrath. Look upon everyone who is proud and humble them. Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low. Tread down the wicked in their place. In other words, God was telling Job, when, 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 when things are a little bit tough and you don't quite understand, the best thing you can do is be quiet. Don't try to impose on God like you. Sometimes God brings you into places where he's silent. Now, you must understand that every time God is silent, it's always for a reason. Because God loves you. Do you hear me? God does nothing by accident. But what he was telling Joe was, Joe, embedded in all of that, he was saying, Joe, um, I got this. Job, I have not left you. Job, I'm in control. Don't worry about it. I got a plan. How do you know God has a plan? Now, God didn't tell Job what was going on, and Job got upset about it. How many of you have ever got upset about God doing stuff on you, or not doing stuff, and, or he's doing stuff, and, and he's not talking to you about it? He's leaving you hanging. And some of you, like, you like a kid. You hate it. Like kids come to parents sometimes, Mommy and Daddy, can I know? And they want some answers. You say, no, not yet. You ain't ready for it. Some stuff I'm convinced that God tell us that we would just mess it up. So what, did, what does God do? I want you to stay right here. I want you to keep doing what I told you to do. I'm working out something in your life, but I ain't going to tell you right now. Now, let's look at some reasons why God, let's look at some reasons real quick. Some reason why God is silent. Number one, here it is. Because there's reasons, right? Sometimes we have something to do with that. But there's always a reason. Number one, unconfessed sin. You want to get God to shut up real quick? Start walking in darkness. God will stop talking. Start walking in willful disobedience to God, and the heavens will become brass to you. Isaiah 59, 2 says this, But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. So how many know we need to confess our sins? Why? Because when we're walking in darkness, we're not walking in sync with God. Number two, God is trying to get our attention. Sometimes God is silent because he just wants to get your attention. How many of you get so busy sometimes that God is an afterthought during the course of a day? You get so busy doing your life, living your life, and, you know, sometimes unless God, like, flattened us or did something miraculous, we wouldn't think twice about God during the course of a day. Some people only respond to God in difficulties and challenges and trials and in afflictions. In fact, many of us came to Christ because we were afflicted. Say amen. You got beat up by the world and you knew, you knew nowhere else to go. And God says, you're vagabond, but I'll take you in. Nobody else wants you, but I'll take you. Yeah, you've messed up real bad, but I'll take you in. How many know that's love? That's a good God. Number three, sometimes, watch this, we are not ready to listen. 
Sometimes God goes silent because we've made a choice that we're not going to do what God wants us to do. How many know that God will never force you to do anything? And this doesn't necessarily has to be sin. It can be something that God has revealed to you, and you know this is what God wants you to do. It's obvious his word. If God tells you something in his word, then how many know we need to be responsible and respond to that? But there are those times in our life when we are making a decision. God says, I want you to forgive. And you say, well, I ain't doing it. I'm not going to forgive. You know what will happen with that? God will go silent. Because what you've dug in, you said, God, I'm not going to do what I know you told me to do. How many know that God is serious about this business? Now, understand something. You have to make a decision. The Bible says in Colossians 1, 9, that we're to be filled with the knowledge of his will. How many know you know that you live for God, that, that it's all about what he wants in your life? It's really not about you it's about what he wants, and in return, he uses you. Yes, he blesses you, but it's all about him. Somebody say amen. amen. It's all about him. Maybe you find yourself in a situation, God is silent, and God may be silent to you because you've already told God what you're going to do. Yes, I know my English teacher would kill me. What you going to do? How I many know we need to make a decision to follow God if you want to hear his voice? Number four, sometimes God is maturing us. You know, it's amazing that I was, it's interesting that um, Arya, our little, sweet little Arya back there was crying a second ago or she was making a little noise. But you know, when babies, when they make a demand, when they're babies, they pretty much march to the beat, don't they? Come on, somebody, don't they? A baby, if a baby, come on, Crystal, you know what I'm talking about. If the baby cries, mom, very quickly, there's, no, there's not much delay. Give the baby what the baby wants. The baby wants a bottle, you, whatever that baby wants. Mom and dad, they are slaves to the baby. Slaves. The baby is in full control. If it's at 3 o'clock in the morning and I won't get up. Feed me. I'm talking now. Stop. I don't care what y'all doing. Y'all want some privacy? You ain't getting none. Get up. Take care of me now. And what do mom and dad do? They're up. Because the baby gets his own way. Whatever the baby wants, the baby gets. But there comes a point in time. Oh, the joy it is. That as they grow up, and they have a sense of awareness. They have a sense of understanding. Their mom and dad will start to say, you're going to have to wait. You can cry all day if you want. You're going to have to wait. And as they get older, mom, I want a car. You're going to have to wait a couple years. Now, before, when they first came, you couldn't tell them that because they weren't what? Ready for that. But now, as they grow into maturity, right, now they have to learn to do what? Are y'all getting it? You see how God is maturing you? Yeah, yeah, I know. He just answered every prayer you prayed real quick and fast when you first got saved. But now you're growing up. He's maturing you because you don't have to have it all right now. And you don't, you, you're, you're mature. You can wait on the Lord. 
The Bible said those who wait on the Lord will mount up with wings as eagles. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. So what God does, God, God, God goes a little silent on you. He, he, he makes you wait because he's maturing you. Isn't that what you say to your kids, mommy, daddies? This is going to be good for you in the end. <laughs> it's going to be good. I know it hurts if you're a good parent. Now, some of y'all are not good parents. Y'all let you get everything. The kids get 25 and 30, and you still let them have their way. Oh, shame on you. They'll never leave your house. They will live with you forever. You want them to mature and to be able to get out in Jesus' name. Okay, I keep going. All right, he's teaching us to trust in number five. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. You hear that? So God got to win. He got to teach you to trust him. Because what you have been accustomed to is trusting yourself, your own abilities. You're still prone to that. When things don't go your way, you, will de you default. You know what a default is? You automatically go back to what you were accustomed to. You try God for a minute, but when God, and some of you, but the tight channel, for example, some of you are going to be challenged with that. I can see it on your faces. I was standing up here. I was like, look, 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 look. Some of you are already thinking about bailing. I'm, God talked to me. I'm just telling you like it is. Because here's the, here's, here's the issue. We default back. When it don't work, we'll try for a week, six months. I don't know about no six. We'll try. And the minute God don't do it the way we want him to do it, that's it. All bets are off. And so what the God has to do, he has to teach you. You trust him, right? He has to teach you that. That's why he gets silent sometimes. Number six. He is, and this is the last one, number six, he is preparing you for something greater. Greater. Y'all remember the story of Martha and Mary, Lazarus? Jesus, Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. They expected Jesus to drop everything and run to heal him, but Jesus heard he was sick, and he says, uh, nope, I ain't coming right now. I'm gonna wait. You know what Jesus said? I'm gonna wait till he dies. When Jesus shows up in Bethany, Lord, Lord, I know if you would have been here, if you would have been, my brother wouldn't have died. In other words, where you went? Where you been? What took you so long? How many of you ever? Wonder that about God. God was taking you so long. But let me ask you a question. To heal Lazarus of his sickness is one thing, Amen. but to raise him from the dead is quite another. Amen. God has something huge, bigger. And when people saw Lazarus get up out of that grave after having been dead for three, four days, boy, they, but everybody just, oh, my God, oh, they just went, what happened? We've never seen. I mean, no, that's huge. God is preparing you. You hear me. I know you may be going through a period of time where you're waiting and things seem silent. But, you know, a lot of times what God is doing is God is setting you up for something greater. And you're thinking all along that God has abandoned you. No, Martha, Mary, I didn't abandon you. I stayed back on purpose. Because I knew that when I showed up, I was going to rock your world. I was going to show you something. 
I was going to reveal myself to you that you might understand that even when it looks like it's over, it ain't ever over. It's never over. As long as Jesus is on the throne, it ain't over. Well, so what do you do? When God is silent, let's say you're in your desert right now. What do you do? What do you do? I'm in a desert, Pastor. I don't have any answers right now. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn. God ain't really telling me nothing right now. What do I do? Well, just a couple of things. It's a good time to ask God why. Number one, ask him why. To God, what's going on? You know, more than anything else, God want to have a dialogue with you. That God is in madly in love with you. You hear me say that all the time, but do you realize that what God wants more than anything else is you? He wants you more than you want him. He loves you more than you love you. You are the apple of his eye. You are the prize of his creation. He loves you. Talk to him. God, why? God, God, is there something I'm doing? God, you know, search your heart. God, God, is there something about my life that's not right? God, and, and how many know, if there is, God will show you. And if he don't show you, here's what you do. Keep going. Keep doing what you know God has told you to do until you sense otherwise. People always tell me all the time. Here's what they say to me. I hear people say this all the time. This is a common thing that we pastors hear. Well, you know, um, I'm praying, but I'm not really sure what to do. And, uh, and I said, well, one thing that you, that sure you need to do, and that's not do anything. Until God tells you, don't make any moves. Because more people have gotten themselves in trouble because they got impatient. And watch this. If God ain't told you, stay put. Because here's what. When it's time to move, God will let you know. And you won't have to be asking other people. Is it time to move? God will tell you. And you would know what he wants you to do. Wait upon the Lord. You're starting that business? Wait. Whatever you believe in God for, wait. Wait for his timing. How many know that God's timing is different than yours? The Bible says, be not weary in doing well, for you will reap if you faint not. Here's the thing. While you're waiting on God and while things are silent, here's what you do. Watch this. Wait for his timing. Don't quit. Keep doing what God told you to do. Well, Pastor, I don't know what else to do. What did he tell you to do? How about start with obedience? How about increase your worship? How about be more intimate with him? Spend time and read his word. Do all those things because here's what happened. If you don't do those things, you will fill it with something else. Something else will take God's place. So what you need to do, how many know this is why we say all the time, you hear me say, we, we talk about reading the word every day, praying every day. You say, well, Pastor, I don't want to do that every day. It's, it seems like you don't understand. It's about discipline. How many know military people understand that? They understand the power of discipline. Use this time to draw closer to him. And then look at this lastly. Accept God's sovereignty. The Bible says this. All things work together for good for those who love God. What verse is that? 
I got one witness. Y'all need, to, y'all need to write down some addresses. That's one verse you got to memorize. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good for those who love God. Is there anybody in this room that love God? Then guess what? Everything that's in your life that looks ugly, in the end, you're going to be dancing over that thing. You know why? Because God's going to work it out in your favor. How many know that's good news? Accept God's sovereignty. How many know that God knows a lot? (laughs) How many know that, that God needs you to trust him and to wait on him and know that he is working out some things? How many of you like to play chess? I'm not, I wish I knew how to play chess. I don't know how to play chess. But you know, one of the things about a chess player, a checker player, is the beauty of it is you get to see the whole entire board. If you're good at what you do, from the limited knowledge I know, that if you're going to be a great chess player, you got to know how to see ahead. You got to be able to plot your next move. You have to have some idea where you're going to. I mean, no, God is like the big old, he's like the chess player that got the, you're, the, you're on the board. And God is shifting things. He's moving things all around you. He's shifting. He's moving. He's taking. And and all the while, what he's saying to you is, I want to trust you. Can I trust you enough to stay put, be faithful to me while I work out this stuff on this end? Can I trust you to do that? Can I trust you to wait for me? How do you know God is sovereignly working on your behalf? Lastly, I want to read a couple verses and we're done. Job 23, verses 10 through 12. You can just write it down. You can read it if you want. But here's how Job sums it up. Now, Job had made a complaint about the fact that he didn't know where God was. He said in verse 10, but he who knows the way that I take, when he has tested me, watch this, I shall come forth as gold. Job knew that much. He says, when this whole thing is over, when this test I'm going through, when this weight is, some of you are going through a test, when this whole thing is over, I'm going to be better. Everybody say better. You're going to be better. That's what Job said. And how many know he had every reason to say, man, I'm going to quit, give up. I mean, you lost all your property, your kids, your family. How many know that's a bad place to be? That's a bad, when you lose 10 kids in one day, that's a bad place to be. Amen? But Job said, look, when I come out of this thing, I'm going to be better. Look at the neighbor and say, you're going to be better. Hang in there. It's going to get better. You hang in there. It's going to get better. Verse 12, he says, Job says, I have not departed from the commandments of his steps, of his lips. Here's what you do. While you're going through it, while God seems silent and things ain't moving, stay faithful to his word. Keep obeying him no matter what. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And look at this. Write this verse down. Job 42, verses 10 through 12. Job 42, verses 10 through 12. Watch this. And Job had prayed for his friends. The Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. Did y'all see that? Twice as much. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought upon him, because God was sovereign, and each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. You see what God was doing in Job's life? God was setting him up to bless him. 
He had 14,000 sheep. Now, if you go back and read Job chapter, Job chapter 1, before he had 7,000 sheep. Now he got 14,000 sheep. He had 6,000 camels. Before he had only 3,000. Now he got 6,000. He had 1,000 yoke of oxen. Before he had only 500. Now he has 1,000. What was God doing in Job's life? God was proving Job was every bit of what Job had demonstrated that he was. He was a man who loved God, feared God, walked with God, and he loved God for who God was, not for what God could give him. That's what God was doing in Job's life. God was proving him. And some of you, you need to know right now, God is proving some of you right now. You've been saying you love God. You've been saying you've been walking with God. You've been saying you trust God. Stay the course. Stay the course and keep trusting him. Amen. Every head is bowed. Every